Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, where do we go from here? Now that the issue of abortion has been returned to the states to decide, State Representative John Cross shares his thoughts on legislating the matter in Ohio. Also another title in our Summer Book Club series, Proof That Truth Is Often More Amazing Than Fiction. The Spy Who Knew Too Much is the latest espionage history thriller from the master of the genre, New York Times bestselling author Howard Bloom. And we have details on spectacular summer programs and events in the month of July from the Hancock Park District. Michelle Rumschlag will tell us what's happening. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Tuesday, June 28, 2022. If you need a reason to celebrate today, it is International Body Piercing Day. You can celebrate however you see fit with regard to that. International Caps Lock Key Day. <laughs> you have to say that very loudly. You have to yell that. Isn't that the uh, online equivalent of shouting, uh, typing in all caps? International Caps Lock De- Key Day. We yell that loud and proud. National Tapioca Day, Insurance Awareness Day. Well, now there you go. That's exciting stuff right there. And it is Paul Bunyan Day. So, observances slash reasons to celebrate today. This, I thought, was really interesting. I don't know if you spend any time on the uh, online bulletin board website, Reddit. Um all kinds of really interesting conversations go on uh, on that uh, on that website. And a thread yesterday posed this question: What activities? I thought this was a great question. What activities have gotten harder to do as technology has progressed? I mean, a lot of times we talk about technology making our lives easier, right? That's the idea: making our lives better, making our lives easier. Doesn't always work out that way. But generally, we don't think of technology making things harder or more complicated. But there are certainly many ways in which, indeed, that has happened. Some of the answers on uh, things that have gotten harder to do as technology has progressed. Car repairs certainly are more difficult now than they were as uh, cars are more reliant on technology. So there's a, a perfect example. Uh, but some of the other ones that I thought were really interesting. Somebody said, you know what's harder now? Uh, ding dong ditching or making prank phone calls. Literally anything that kids used to do at sleepovers when they were being ornery. <laughs> you know, not not real terrible things. Uh, maybe a little annoy, annoying for those on the receiving end. But in the but, you know, in the final analysis, Pretty harmless pranks. Um, those are harder to do now with the uh, technology doorbell cameras and caller ID and all of that. It's harder to do those things. thought that was interesting. Uh, some of the other uh, answers, though, I thought were very deep and, uh, and really thought-provoking. What activities have gotten harder to do as ta- technology has progressed? It's harder to disappear right now. I mean, just to go off the grid for a couple of days. Uh, if you want some alone time, some me time, literally you'll have a dozen people in a panic when you, when you suddenly come back. So disappearing 
is uh, is more difficult. Uh, getting a human being on the phone for customer service. Yeah, that is uh, definitely. Finding peace and quiet. If someone wants me to do something, I am immediately notified no matter where I am. And it is considered rude if I don't drop what I'm doing and reply immediately. So just finding peace and quiet. A little alone time. That kind of goes along with the uh, issue about disappearing for a couple of days. Socializing. Socializing in real life. We all do the social media thing, but socializing in real life a lot of times is uh, tougher. Uh, Along with finding people worth dating. Uh, One person said trying to talk to strangers in public has become much harder with everyone buried in their phones and online dating is enough to make you lose faith in humanity altogether. (laughs) I don't know. I've never done the online dating thing, but... uh, I understand that can be very challenging, and it's still uh, tough to actually strike up a conversation with someone today because so many people are just nosing their phones all the time. Uh, let's see here. Somebody says, the, the more I use a keyboard, the worse my penmanship has become. And uh, I, I thought this was, and I have... Uh, I have uh, experienced this or something like it many times myself, and it's frustrating. Uh, This person said parking is tougher now than it used to be before technology is what it is. It's just parking. I just want to put some change in the parking meter. I don't want to download your stupid app. (laughs) How many times has that happened? not, Not necessarily parking, but any number of things. Where now they're asking to download their app. I don't want to download 10,000 apps to do every little thing in my life. Especially if it's something that I'll never do again. I've had that out on, on vacation. If you go you know, on a vacation somewhere. Everybody wants you to download their app. And uh, I did when a couple of weeks ago we uh, were on vacation. We spent time in Milwaukee. That's where my wife and I were for a few days uh, last week. Um or a week before last, um, you know, because we're getting away. We spent some time in Milwaukee and, uh, and yeah, we, uh, went to explore the city. We went down, uh, and, and actually we're parking and, uh, you could either, you know, go through the rigmarole of paying on the, but they were, they wanted you to download their app. So I'll never, I'll never park downtown Milwaukee again. Why should I download your app? Yeah. I hate that. Anyway, I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, what What is harder to do now than it was uh, before all of this technology took over our lives? A couple of other uh, interesting stories among the first things you need to know this morning. Interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. A new city is rising in the Indian Ocean. And it's uh, not a tourist trap. It's not a plo- playground for the wealthy or anything like that. This is reported in a CNN It is a joint venture, this project, a joint venture between the Maldives government and developer Dutch Docklands, which hails from a country with deep experience adapting to intrusive ocean waters. The Maldives floating city will be home to 20,000 people and 5,000 buildings, including schools, restaurants, shops, all interconnected by a network of canals and beaches designed to... Uh, resemble brain coral. Uh, this is according to Dutch architect Cohen Olthaus. Says it offers new hope for Maldivi- Mal- Maldivians. 
uh, whose nation of 1,190 islands could be submerged by the end of this century uh, because of rising ocean levels, global climate change, and all that. They can prove that there is affordable housing and normal towns on the water that are also safe. Uh, Maldives will go from climate refugees to climate innovators. Construction proceeding quickly with the first residence expected in 2024 and a completion goal of 2027. An entire floating city uh, in the Indian Ocean. Interesting. I just found that to be uh, to be fascinating. The idea of uh, building an entire city rising out of the sea. A big project when you think about it. Uh, Independence Day coming up on Monday. And with that in mind, the financial experts at WalletHub crunched the numbers, and they have come up with a list of the best cities in America to celebrate Independence Day. And they took a lot of uh, different uh, things into consideration, crunched a number of data points, nearly nearly two dozen. Average price of beer and wine, (laughs) the uh, weather conditions, the duration of fireworks shows, It goes on and on and on. San Francisco, California, the best place to celebrate the 4th of July this year. L.A. was a close second, followed by Washington, D.C., Atlanta, and Las Vegas round out the top five. The rest of the top ten, New York City, uh, home to the annual Macy's fireworks display, was in sixth place. San Diego, California, was seventh. Seattle, Washington, Orlando, Florida, and New Orleans, Louisiana, rounding out the top 10. Coming in dead last on their rankings, and this was the 100 best places to celebrate uh, Independence Day. Coming in dead last, number 100, San Bernardino, California. (laughs) Jersey City and Newark also down there at the bottom of the list. Some 47.9 million Americans say they're going to drive more than 50 miles for the holiday. Nearly as many as did in 2019, which was the summer before we ever heard the term social distancing. So we are officially back to pre-pandemic travel levels this 4th of July. But uh, San Francisco, number one place to celebrate 4th of July this year, they say. Here's something interesting from the uh, science file. A new study shows that cuddling with your partner... Uh, can help you get a better night's sleep. I guess maybe we could put that under the category of duh. <laughs> but if you are waking up, maybe you're still a little groggy this morning. Maybe what you need to do is spend more time cuddling with your significant other. 1,000 working age men and women were asked detailed questions about their sleep, health, and life quality. And the results found that people who never slept with a partner more likely to suffer from insomnia and couples who slept together got better quality sleep, were less likely to be depressed, and felt more relationship satisfaction. Again, duh. Uh, However, sleeping with uh, other family members, um, and not sleeping with them, but actually sleeping, uh, reported uh, higher rates of insomnia, stress, and sleep apnea risk. So, that means. But uh, anyway... Cuddle with your partner is the uh, message there. Cuddle with your partner. Get a better night's sleep. And uh, how about this? I'm talking about the uh, pandemic and how people are traveling once again back to pre-pandemic levels for uh, 
Fourth of July holiday travel. According to a new report in the British medical journal, The Lancet, coronavirus vaccines saved millions of lives in the first year that the shots have been available. Uh, Report this past Thursday that vaccines saved 20 million lives around the world last year. More than 4.3 billion people have been immunized since the vaccines were first introduced in December of 2020. A researcher who worked on the study said the findings showed just how much worse the pandemic could have been without the vaccines. And I think I I've talked about this uh, before. I think that's the uh, for my money, this is a great unknown. And I'm sure that there is some sort of scientific way that they came up with that number of 20 million lives around the world that have been saved by the vaccines. But that is the great uh, uh, the great no, known unknown. You know, we can estimate all we want, but nobody really knows just how many lives actually were saved. We'd like to think that the vaccines have uh, certainly had a dramatic impact, but do we really know? Uh, I keep hearing people on both sides of the argument uh, make their suppositions about how effective or ineffective the vaccines and social distancing and everything else, all of the precautionary measures that we took over the past couple of years have been. But it's all... I don't know. You can't. You can. You you can't say one way or the other for sure. But uh, I thought it was interesting. Those scientists believe twenty million lives saved because of the vaccine. So uh, your mileage may vary, I guess. But I thought that was interesting. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Tuesday morning started. Uh, WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Plenty of sunshine expected again today with a high around 80. It'll be mostly clear tonight, a low around 60. The highway patrol says a man was killed and several people injured in a three-vehicle crash on U.S. 224 in Putnam County. Investigators say a truck was going west on U.S. 224 when it was hit by an eastbound SUV that had swerved into the left lane and missed an eastbound Jeep that was slowing down to make a left turn. A 36-year-old man was killed in the crash. Two others were life-flighted from the scene, and others were taken to Blanchard Valley Hospital by ambulance. The Highway Patrol says alcohol was a factor in this crash. Get more on the website. Despite high gas prices, a lot of people will be traveling over the upcoming 4th of July weekend, and you'll need to be patient, especially if flying. They are reporting a shortage of employees in and out of the cockpit. For the holiday weekend, plane tickets to fly 14% higher this year. Hotel prices are 23% more. Holiday traffic is expected to be the worst this Thursday and Friday between noon and 9. If you want to avoid the gridlock, experts say leave early in the morning. Onan's Tracy Townsend. The city of Finley's Independence Day Parade and fireworks are set. The Flag City 4th of July Parade will step off at 11 a.m. on Monday, July 4th. The parade will begin on South Main at Lincoln and then proceed north to Clinton Court. And the day before the parade... That's when the fireworks will be held at the Hancock County Fairgrounds. Get more on the parade and the fireworks on the website. 
The Ohio State Highway Patrol is inviting people to take part in their Drive to Live program. It's really geared toward meeting teens, listening to them with a shared interest in their future. So we do this in many different ways, whether it's meeting with sports teams or local schools. Lieutenant Matt Crow, commander of the Finley Post of the Highway Patrol, says Drive to Live is an educational program led by the patrol designed to positively impact youth and engage in conversations about good decision-making Get more on the Drive to Live program on the website. And remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. So now to our cover story this morning. As has been emphasized over the past several days, the reversal of Roe v. Wade by the Supreme Court on Friday does not outlaw abortion. It simply returns the issue to the states to decide. So, with that in mind, where do we go from here in Ohio? We are joined by State Representative John Cross. And uh, first of all, I want to get your uh, general thoughts on the decision and the fact that now this emotional and politically divisive issue lands squarely in your lap and the laps of your fellow legislators what goes through your yeah. mind when that realization kind of hits you yeah good morning chris well we're, we're certainly uh i'm certainly pleased with the, the court decision because it it really emphasizes the state's rights and it brings the decision closer to the people and i think anytime that you can have uh legislative issues closer to the people um i think that's important and uh, you know obviously uh since i first ran for office people know uh I am a pro-life, uh, mm-hmm. I was a pro-life candidate. I, uh, that decision was based easily upon my faith, uh, my upbringing in a Catholic church, uh, my personal, um, decision on, on that. Mm-hmm. And so, so, so in the legislature, we've actually passed a few pieces of legislation. And one of those bills was the heartbeat bill, right? Where, uh, moment the heartbeat is detected, uh, a baby could not be uh, aborted. And that was then uh, a federal court put a stay on that. And then recently, because of the Supreme Court decision, uh, that is now law right. in Ohio. And I'm, I'm very pleased with that, pleased to support the heartbeat bill. And so so that's, 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 that's probably the first thing I could tell you is that in Ohio, that is law. And I know that our caucus, the Republican caucus, is, is looking at additional legislation. And with uh, with respect to that, as has been noted many times, polls have consistently shown that, that many Americans, most Americans, do support a woman's right to choose to a point. Maybe not the extreme position uh, on the left, uh, abortion on demand at any point up to the moment of birth but a woman's right to choose to a certain point. Presumably, that would include many of those whom you represent would fall into that category. Does that mean that you need to sort of proceed carefully now that you actually have the responsibility of legislating this issue at the state level? I I believe our district is a pro-life district. I believe uh, the majority of our constituency is pro-life, but but this this is a um, uh, a very important issue to me. Uh, because I, you know, and I, some some constituencies may think I have an extreme view, but I don't see uh, abortion as a healthcare uh, situation. Uh, sadly, I see it as uh, a, a murder, 
and you know murdering of a life mm-hmm. and so uh um you know that it's even uncomfortable to say but yeah. but that's what i believe and so this is where i'm trying to protect life protect innocent human life and i will uh, so uh the well, easy me- the easy answer chris is any legislation that comes before me whether life begins at conception which i believe uh, any bill that would come before me, I would be supporting uh, a, a, a pro-life position and protecting uh, uh, the life of of the, of the baby. And so, I don't think that um, I just have a different view mm-hmm. um, that I don't think it's a, a choice issue. Uh, that I, I just think that we have to. Um, protect life mm-hmm. at all costs. So, uh, to be clear, and you brought up the uh, heartbeat, heartbeat bill, which mm-hmm. we mentioned yesterday, uh, is now the law in Ohio, as you said. It's actually more restrictive than the Mississippi law, which triggered the Supreme Court case that overturned Roe. So if you use that as a benchmark, Ohio is already ahead of that curve, as it were. But is that enough? I know that there was a uh, so-called trigger law that was being discussed in the state legislature prior to Mm -hmm. the reversal. Now that kind of becomes a moot point because the predicate trigger event has already happened. But uh, is that enough? And is there, uh, do you see in Ohio's future, a total ban on abortion, regardless of circumstance without exception? I do. I do. I, I think that is the, the feeling of my colleagues. I, I, I would be voting in favor of a bill uh, that would ban all abortion, um, particularly with the focus of um, life starting at conception. And um, I just I think life is precious. I think we have a lot of opportunities for families uh, to adopt uh, a lot of other things uh, other than uh, murdering an innocent human life. Um, I would be voting in support of any legislation that comes before me to rule out all abortion. So with uh, with respect to that, and, and you're kind of touching on this, in response to accusations that the state is turning its back on women in desperate situations, Governor DeWine pointed to the state's investment of more than a billion dollars to provide prenatal care, parenting classes, mentoring, education, nutrition assistance to uh, pregnant mothers uh, and their families, particularly at-risk uh, cases, but those investments, while long overdue, also involve programs that have historically been targeted for cuts, especially among fiscal fiscal conservatives. What guarantees do women have that this is a long term commitment to shore up those programs? Well, I, I think you know, in the budget, I, I know we've 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 passed some some good money, we've made some of those investments, and I think that you. Uh, you can't do both. You can't be cutting stuff like that and then obviously trying to protect uh, uh, life. And so mm-hmm. I think it's important that we look at those things uh, and, and make proper investments on, on education, health care. I, I, I'm all for proper health care for men and women. Uh, and I, I think the Republicans, and myself included, get a, a bad rap by the national media and, mm-hmm. and anyone in general listen we want we want people to be healthy we want people uh to take care of their health and have lots of opportunities try to keep those costs uh down so we're working on that as a member of the insurance committee i've been uh, very involved in legislation to keep uh health care costs down as it relates to to our insurance policies 
So I'm, 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 will be pleased to help, uh, champion a lot of this stuff. I've championed, uh, championed, uh, adoption, uh, policy to make adoption, um, uh, to, mm-hmm. to remove some financial barriers to adoptions. But I, you know, I don't think it's, I, I, I just don't put abortion in as a healthcare practice. And quite frankly, uh, Chris, I'm really upset to hear that corporate CEOs are now saying they will fly their employees to other states uh, to have abortions. In my personal opinion, again, I understand that not everyone will agree with me, but abortion is not a health care choice. It's not a health care procedure. Uh, it, it is killing an innocent human life. With respect so, to that, you, yeah. you, just, mm-hmm. to, just to interject, and I want to ask you about sure. this because this has been uh, kind of a hot-button issue that has been discussed, uh, again, on the national scale, uh, are the possibilities of individuals being prosecuted in their home states for going to other states to receive uh, uh, abortion procedures when they are illegal in their home states, would that be something that that you could uh, support or envision in the state of Ohio, that there would be some sort of repercussion for going out of state uh, to get an abortion? I'm not, uh, well, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know what the law would be on that Mm -hmm. from going out of state. Obviously, I would would very much discourage it and and try to work on any uh, law. I'm not sure what we can do as a state legislature yeah. to interact between uh, the, the, I guess, the right. commerce of other states. But, but, and maybe you have to look to our federal partners to to make that law. But, right. But you know, certainly, you know, it's discouraging to hear that that you know, mm-hmm. it, you know, at the end of the day, uh, what can we do to protect uh, babies, to protect innocent human life? And it it is sad. It is sad. That that we we who get to live a full life um, uh, don't sometimes understand appreciate what what really abortion is and how sad that yeah. really is. Well, and to me, it's very sad, and so I I you know I want uh, you know I want people to be. Uh, uh, well educated about you know mm-hmm. <laughs> obviously it's, how babies are made yeah it, and, and and what and the results of those and what and and the maturity of what you have to do to take on that that uh, that life and that that new human being that's going to be coming into our beautiful world it's really interesting because for the first time in i think many of our lifetimes we're actually having this conversation uh in more than just the uh, theoretical or philosophical sense, because again, mm-hmm. with us being thrown back to the states to uh, decide individually, now uh, you actually are looking at legislating this and not just talking about it in you know the uh, uh, theoretical sense. And with respect to the politics of this, in our conversation yesterday with the president of Ohio Right to Life, he basically challenged these pro-choice advocates to go to the polls and vote uh, vote in those who share their views and would legislate accordingly. As anyone who follows politics knows, this has not historically been a motivating issue for those on the left because they had the previous protection of Roe to fall back on. Will that change now? Does that change the paradigm of politics uh, in the state of Ohio? I I I, uh, I, I firmly believe Ohio is uh, is a, a solid red state, a solid Republican conservative state with good conservative values. I I understand there's the the blue uh, areas of Columbus, Cleveland, and Cincinnati. But right. I think people I think people treat this issue not necessarily as a a, a Democrat or Republican issue. I don't, and that's why I want the listeners to understand. Uh, I treat this issue as a 
deep yeah. faith religious issue and not a political issue. I don't treat this as a health care issue. It's an issue of, of, of faith and life a- and how important that is. I mean, it's the most important thing. Without life, Chris, we wouldn't be here, right? We wouldn't have yeah. these conversations. And, it, and so uh, it, that's how I look at it. It I, is a. It, should, it shouldn't be political. It is certainly personal. And I understand there are going to be people that will severely disagree with me. Right. But it is. I said from day one, that's that's my firm position, and that's non-negotiable. And it is a fair point that there are those uh, all across the spectrum on this issue on both sides of the aisle. So something to keep in mind as well. Again, State Representative John Cross, his thoughts on the legislating the matter of abortion in Ohio with the overturn uh, with the reversal of uh, Roe v. Wade. Congressman, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> Well, New York Times bestselling author Howard Bloom has been called a standout in the field of espionage history. That is to say, history books that read like thrillers. And his latest is called The Spy Who Knew Too Much. And Howard, you have written a number of bestsellers in this uh, espionage history vein. Is, is that what you set out to do, or did it just kind of happen that way, given the types of stories that you were drawn to as subject matter? Well, it's sort of happened, as you, as you put it that way. I was a New York Times reporter uh, for over a decade, and I got involved in covering some intelligence stories, uh, but I also felt sort of limited by the Times format. Uh, yes, I want to tell true stories. Yes, I want to be able to dig up facts, but at the same time, I want to create characters. I want these characters to be real, and I want to be able to take them through an adventure. So I started writing books, and one spy story led to another, and I've been doing it now for a, a bit. And do you and do you find in these stories uh, proof of that old adage about truth being stranger than fiction? Sometimes, not only is truth stranger than fiction, it's more dangerous. Here, real people die. Here, it affects your national security, my national security, everyone listening. Uh, this is this has real consequences in a book. You might just get scared for a moment, uh, but here, uh, real yeah. people have lost their lives, and, and our nation's security has been threatened. Yeah. So, so tell us about this story here. It is uh, about a retired CIA agent who comes out of retirement when another former spy may or may not have been murdered at the hands of the KGB. Yeah. We got a lot going yeah. on here. Yeah, yeah, yes, it is. Uh, it, the story really begins on a bright autumn day in 1978. A sailboat goes aground on the Chesapeake Bay in Maryland. Uh, the Coast Guard investigates. They find bullets scattered on the deck. Uh, they go down into the galley and they see that top secret documents are scattered uh, about uh, the galley table. There's a strange electronic device, which is later identified as a classified uh, burst transmitter, which is used for communicating with satellites. But there's no sign of the boat's owner. His name is John Paisley, and he's a high-ranking CIA official. Ten days later, a body wrapped in 36 pounds of chains still manages to surface uh, to the top of the Chesapeake Bay. Uh, The CIA looks at this body. There's a bullet hole behind the left ear, and the body's unrecognizable, uh, but they say, this is Paisley, and it's a Mm. suicide. But is it? Uh, uh, the hero of my book, uh, Pete Bagley, who's now at this point a retired spy after a long career in the CIA, thinks this strange case 
this strange death has a mystery that's tied into everything that has gone wrong in the agency, all the blown operations, all the agents lost behind enemy lines in Russia over so many years. And he's drawn in immediately by some of the, the questions surrounding this body that's found floating in the Chesapeake Bay, wrapped mm. in chains. For example, uh, <laughs> the first thing you would do to identify the corpse is you look at the fingerprints. Every CIA officer right. has his fingerprints taken. They all should be on file. Right. Uh, the CIA says, look, we can't find Paisley's uh, fingerprints. Seems like we lost them. Hmm. That's the sort of excuse I used to give, you know, in high school. The dog ate my homework. Yeah. Uh, please accept it. Yeah. Uh, and, and then the circumstances of the death itself. Here's how the CIA explains the suicide. They say that, well, Paisley stood on the deck of the, the sailboat, wrapped himself up like a mummy in these 38, six pounds of chains, trundles over to the side of the boat, has a gun in his right hand because he's right-handed, manages to throw himself into the air hmm. while he's in midair before he hits the water. He's able to reach across his body and shoot himself behind the left ear. Well, that's a pretty, you'd have to be a bit of a gymnast yeah. to do that. Yeah. And I would suggest the explanation is about just as uh, contorted as the uh, mechanics that would be needed for yeah. that to take place in real life. So so you you really at at one point you have to kind of pinch yourself uh, to say again as we were saying uh, earlier that this is this is a real story. I mean this isn't just a you know a, a you know a spy movie or you know some uh, kind of crazy story. Uh, there there's uh, you know there's a this is a true story, and it also right. uh, and it also uh, gives some context uh, from what I understand to what we are seeing in the present day with this new kind of Cold War brewing between Russia and the Western world. Very much so. You're correct. There's a continuum of treason uh, uh, about our spy agencies being attacked by the Russians. And, you know, our Cold War with Russia has now become a de facto hot war. Uh, you know, we're, you know, people are dying in the Ukraine uh, after a Russian invasion. And the, the prospect of our agencies being infiltrated uh, by moles is a Scary one. Yeah. Uh, the stakes have become very, very high. Yeah, and no, the, no you, know, you ask, you say that this is stranger than fiction. I mean, the operations in this, you know, that I reveal and, and talk about uh, are are intriguing. I would think there's one operation called Operation Gamma Guppy. That's what the CIA calls it. It seems uh, the Soviets have a garage right in the Kremlin. Uh, an old stable in the Kremlin where they keep all the cars, the limousines for the top uh, executives and the top officials. Well, we have an asset. We had an asset working in that garage hmm. who was able to play with the car phone and able to put in an electronic device that allowed our embassy in Moscow, the antennas to pick up these signals. And we were able to listen in on the Russian conversations between these, their top officials. Wow. And we learned oddly enough, a great deal about uh, how they were trying to violate uh, nuclear arms treaties. Hmm. So there's this, this spy versus spy war that my hero yeah. becomes involved in. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, this is a true life story, but at the same time, we are talking about the CIA here. Not always easy to get at all of the facts, I would imagine. So are there areas where you kind of have to fill in the blanks and imagine what probably happened or what could have happened? Well, 
everything I write is, is true. Is there something I don't know? Uh, something I've missed? That's quite possible. I, well, well, interviewing for another book, I met with a CIA official in, at headquarters, and I told him I began, you know, like this a very self-important reporter. I'm trying to tell a true story. And he breaks out in laughter. <laughs> and I'm looking at him, what's so funny? He says, you can't get the full true story. There's yeah. always one more file. There's one more file I won't get. There's one more file you get. The best you can hope for is to get as close as possible to the truth. And I think in The Spy Who Knew Too Much, I've created a, a story that's as close as possible uh, to the truth. And it's and it, quite shocking. I, I guess at the end of the day, with a story that is as naturally intriguing and engrossing as this is, it can't be too difficult to resist the urge to embellish uh, the story because you've, you've already got about as embellished a story as you can possibly imagine. Yes. I mean, you don't have to embellish yeah. it. Uh, you don't have to add more to it. I mean, the, the facts are, I think, pretty captivating. You have this uh, my, my hero, for example, is, you know, Pete Bagley. He is like a Jean le Carré or a James Bond character in mm -hmm. real life. Yeah. He's a very dashing guy, extremely good looking. I, I use a picture of him at the front piece of the book, and he looks like a Ralph Lauren ad. Uh, he the, comes from a distinguished naval family. Hmm. Uh, he's, he's a real American hero. Yeah. Uh, again, the book is The Spy Who Knew Too Much. Howard Bloom is the author. And uh, you have a, a website where folks can learn more about the book, right? Yes, howardbloom.com. Or you can go to, uh, I have an Amazon book page, author Howard Bloom. Uh, the book is out now in all stores, independent bookstores, Amazon. One to add to your summer reading list. Howard Bloom, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. And I appreciate talking with you. Information that makes a difference. Good mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Here's a tip. If your license, if your driver's license is suspended, probably best not to drive. <laughs> I know that would seem to go without saying, but apparently uh, one British man uh, whose license was suspended uh, has now lost his car. Police in Essex explained that a man whom they identified as a disqualified driver, no name, just identified as a disqualified driver, decided to drive himself to the airport. I mean, there are taxis, there are ride-sharing apps, and you could even take public transportation in Great Britain to go to the airport. But no, he decided to drive himself, even though he had no license. Um, <laughs> uh, then again, maybe there's more to the story why the guy didn't want to cough up the cash to have somebody drive him to the airport. Uh, police uh, said, uh, remember to pay for your parking lot at the airport. The driver tried to avoid paying, got stuck, when driving around a barrier to add insult to injury, a photo of the car shows it wedged over the curb with its front tires buried in gravel, <laughs> making this particular disqualified driver's day even worse. His car was seized by police uh, for non-payment of roughly $600 worth of parking fees. <laughs> this guy was having a bad day. $600 in uh, parking fees. It doesn't say whether they uh, arrested him there on the spot or whether 
Uh, they'll uh, nab him when he gets back from his flight, but uh, I don't know whether he caught his flight at the airport or not. <laughs> but maybe, maybe if your license is suspended, you should look in the mirror and think, maybe there's a reason why my license is suspended. Maybe I'm just not a very good driver. Anyway. <clears throat> Speaking of not very good drivers, 10-year-olds generally don't make good drivers. A fact that celebrity Ben Affleck found out recently the hard way, his 10-year-old son drove uh, drove a car after his uh, dad let him take the wheel. Now, Ben, you know, think about this. Probably should not let your 10-year-old son take the wheel of the car, especially if it's a Lamborghini. Uh, Mr. Affleck, uh, his sweetheart, Jennifer Lopez, J-Lo, and a 10-year-old Samuel were on an outing in Los Angeles when the boy was allowed to drive the yellow Lamborghini in reverse and smacked a parked BMW. Who couldn't have seen that coming? Apparently, Ben Affleck couldn't see that coming. Uh, the incident happened on Sunday outside a luxury car dealership where the celebrity couple was considering purchasing a new luxury vehicle. Hopefully for themselves, not their kid. Ten-year-old. Why do you let a ten-year-old drive? What is the... I mean, what... <clears throat> anyway... Even celebrities, you would think, would have better sense than that. You know how kids can do crazy things? A 14-year-old boy's spare change has been returned thanks to a good sneeze. Umar Kamar said he shoved a, a coin up his nose when he was four <laughs> and forgot all about it until it slipped out a decade later. Apparently... Uh, he would go to the doctor frequently about discomfort in his nose, but no one could figure out what was wrong. When recalling the day he got back his money, he said his nose was hurting more than usual, and his parents told him to try blowing out was it whatever was bothering him out of his nose. So he put cotton balls in his ears and breathed real heavily, heavily out of the ir irritated nostril <laughs> until the money made its unexpected return. Uh, he told, told news reporters, when I got over the shock, I felt pure relief. A uh, local doctor warned parents not to leave their children alone with money, especially small coins. Uh, because children have a fascination with inserting things into their nostrils and coins, uh, can disappear and be forgotten as was uh, this case. <laughs> Uh, I wonder how he uh, plans to spend his uh, uh, that money. It's, it's you know how when you uh, get it, you put on a, a jacket that you have in your coat that you haven't worn in a in a while uh, in the fall, and you forget the last winter you left a couple of dollars in the pocket, and you think, oh look, a little bonus. It's kind of the same thing, but not really. Uh, let's see. Elsewhere in the uh, broken news, the odd and unusual side of the headlines, a pair of newlyweds in Holland, Michigan, have a wedding story to remember for sure. Brendan and Isabel Keel uh, <laughs> were on their way to their wedding reception when their rented Hummer limousine caught fire. The uh, photos and videos of the fire have gone viral on social media after their wedding. And they were on the way to uh, Colon Park. They got married in Grand Rapids. They were on their way to Colon Park in Holland for more photos before uh, going on to this re uh, reception. The limo company sent a new vehicle after the fire. Uh, 
Sad news, Isabel's purse burned along with her shoes, the bridesmaid's bouquet, and the groomsman's coats. That was the worst part because they were rented. <laughs> I would imagine the limo company is probably going to have to explain that to the, uh, uh, to the uh, menswear store. And finally, in the broken news this morning, if you have not seen this video, it's on. I saw it on Twitter yesterday. It is, it is really sweet. Uh, made me chuckle. A, a large, friendly black lab wanted all the attention during a women's soccer match between Chile and Venezuela the other day. During the game, uh, I believe it was uh, in Chile, uh, during the game, the middle of the game, this dog runs onto the field, plops down in front of the Chilean goalkeeper, and demands belly rubs. <laughs> Play, play continued for a while until the referee saw what was going on. She stopped the match, and the uh, dog, <laughs> I, I think hearing the whistle, uh, the dog comes running over to the referee and plops down and wants belly rubs from the referee as well. <laughs> the first attempt to get the dog off the field, uh, the dog jumped up and thought everybody was playing a game and started running back and forth across the, uh, the field as the uh, crowd cheered. Finally, a... Chilean player managed to pick up the friendly pup and carry it off so that the match could resume. <laughs> it's funny moments. And if you... I mean, this went on for like two or three minutes while they tried to chase down the dog. It was great. There you go. That is uh, today's broken news. This update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines brought to you as a public service, more or less. Of Hancock County Veterans Services, we now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Get out your red, white, and blue. It's the Flag City 4th of July Parade, Monday, July 4th in downtown Finley. Registration begins at Baldwin and South Main beginning at 9 a.m. At 10 a.m., it's float and bicycle judging. And at 11 a.m., the parade kicks off heading north on Main Street. It's the Flag City 4th of July Parade, Monday, July 4th, beginning at 11 a.m. This message provided by WFIN. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. We know that there are deep political divisions in this country, uh, divisions that have only deepened in the past several days with the reversal of Roe v. Wade in many ways. But it does appear that there is at least one thing that Democrats and Republicans can agree on. According to a new poll from Fairleigh Dickinson University, over one third of Americans believe that the 1947 UFO crash at Roswell, New Mexico is at least plausible. <laughs> the story of aliens crashing in uh, in New Mexico, in the middle of nowhere, has become infamous through the decades, and people from all walks of life seem to want to believe it. Uh, and this crosses across uh, all political lines, and, and this is amazing to me, really. Uh, seriously, 34% of Democrats and 31% of Republicans agree that the infamous crash of aliens in Roswell is at either somewhat or very likely to have actually occurred. Uh, it's almost dead even between Democrats and Republicans on this. 34% of Democrats, 31% of Republicans. <laughs> Which, of course, means that uh, roughly two-thirds think it's a bunch of bunk. But uh, these trends also carry over to different age groups, too. You talk about a generation gap. Over one-third of those under 30 
and those over 65 also believe in the crash. So as election season drags on, it seems that Americans have finally found an unlikely common ground. Aliens. Well, it's hard to believe that we're already to the 4th of July. Michelle Rumschlag is uh, here in the Hancock Park District, and great time to be out in the parks, that's for sure. It is. Today, the like, today is gorgeous. It is. And yesterday, I mean, it's, you know, I know it's going to warm up a little bit later in the week for those people mm-hmm. that like a little heat, but no, yesterday was great. I mean, it's a little cooler, and even this morning, it's like, oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> I, I don't mind heat as long as we get little breaks in between to, cut the heat yeah. and stuff but i'll i'll take yesterday or like you know even a little warmer today mm-hmm. that's yeah like, it's going like to be perfect absolutely gorgeous per- perfect days to uh, to get out into the parks this weekend uh with the holiday weekend coming up uh you've got the uh, uh boat rentals uh at riverside or uh it's on to landing yes yeah, so of course we've been open since memorial day weekend so i want right. to thank all of those that have been coming out been really busy the mm-hmm. last couple of weekends but the weather's kind of been perfect like a little warm, not, you know, terribly hot, not not too cool. Yeah. And so um, people are definitely coming out and using the boats. But yes, 4th of July on Monday, we will be open. That's, okay. That's the weekends and holidays. So let everybody know um, it just, it falls on a Monday this year. And so um, same times, 1 to 7 with last rental at 630. As a reminder, cash your check. We, we can't do credit cards. There's mm. no internet out there. Um, and then it's first come, first serve. So the, I've, I've helped out the last couple Saturdays. And that first hour, half an hour, like we've sold out of most of our kayaks. So just to let you know, it, it, it's hit and miss. Mm-hmm. I mean, the one weekend, they were gone in the half an hour. Now, uh, I do know that there is some rain possibly in the forecast like uh, Saturday. It's like a 50-50 chance. Yes. If it's raining, do you still? We still do it. Okay. It, it has to be. Obviously, if it's storming. If it's storming, yes. If we but... are thundering, we pause. Okay. So just know if you come up and we've heard thunder, we pause for half an hour. We yeah. don't want you, obviously on the water that would not be a good thing no or or we're kind of watching it you know if you get on the water and you hear you know we want you to come back kind of thing mm-hmm. so we're definitely kind of aware of that but if it's just sprinkling right you know yeah if it's That's a downpour I, I don't think too many people are going to be out in the <laughs> park to go out, out in the water yeah so we just kind of yeah it's kinda, so if it's just a regular rain we'll still be there but mm-hmm. like i said if it gets where it's going to rain really hard or we think storms are coming yeah, we it's it's kind of judgment and we might close that way, mm. but we haven't I'm just curious because yes. you know, if you've got a really warm day, a little bit of rain is not necessarily no. such a bad thing. No, so yeah, <laughs> we'll still be there. It's just yeah, yeah when it gets a little more extreme okay. or like storms, Something which I don't mind. think we're supposed to have. I haven't looked beyond I'm always just looking at temperature. Yeah. But we do need rain. Yeah. We definitely that's, need the rain. I've true. been watering at the McKinnis Garden <laughs> and uh <laughs> So yes. uh what else is uh, going on? We're hit, heading into the uh real uh meat of the summer vacation season you do have uh, some camp openings just a few just a few so those would be ones that are happening um coming up here in july okay again for for all of our summer programs hancockparks.com um we have an overnight for teens happening um well actually some of them aren't even happening we need more people for the teen one so okay. we have minimums with our camps so that one is still available and has spots we have one on july 11th to 13th for 9 to 12 year olds that has i think five spots available okay i looked yesterday um and then a toddler camp it's a half day camp with a parent and there's a few openings there and that's it our one day camps for august i mean i think in may those were filled so it's just and to let people know if you've missed out this year um we put all of our summer camps out in march when spring programming is advertised 
that's when summer camps are. Okay. I, I did talk to a mother or mentioned that she missed it last year. So this year, right, she started looking. Yeah. And that's what a lot of people do. We'll get a, we'll get like, a, you know, a handful of kids right away because they know. Now you got to know your summer schedule. Right. That far in advance. But just to let people know, if you have missed it, we do advertise those early. Okay. For you to get those. So scheduled. you can actually go on your phone right now for March of 2023. First week of March, whatever that put falls. Put that alert on your calendar right now. Yes. <laughs> I need to do camp. summer camps with the park district next right. year. Uh, what so else is uh, going on in the uh, month of July? So we have some um, kayaking opportunities. We do some different workshops um, kind of throughout the summer. And this Friday, um, we've got actually two of them happening. And so our first one is for adults 50 plus. So active adults, um, it's going to be 9 to 11. So we kind of get them early in the morning, kind of beat that heat to be able to go out. Um, we just need to sign up by um, this Thursday. At 4 o'clock, it's $10 a person. So that's in the morning for those 50 plus. And then in the evening, we're going to have a workshop for teens. And so this will be at 6.30. This is for ages 13 to 18. Um, I think we got a few people signed up for both things. I, I kind of look to see, you know, where our numbers and stuff are. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we've got some. But, I mean, and it's one of those, like, if you know you want to do a program, I mean, definitely sign up. Don't don't wait to, well, somebody else does I will because there might be other people doing the same thing. So, right. <laughs> And that helps us because, like I said, with some of our things, we hit minimums. So then we know, okay, I can start mm-hmm. planning for my program or prepping right. or doing those things. Right. Um, you know, and if for some reason, I guess just like extension that, if you know you can't, if you've signed up for something, if it's a paid program and it's before the deadline, if you, you we refund your money, but it's got to be for the, the registration deadline because then we know we can potentially fill that spot. Right. Or or if, if it's the day of and you can't, um, you know, all of our listings have the staff person who's doing it is email or call the office. So if you can't come for whatever reason, we, life happens. It'd be nice to know because sometimes we just get, you know, maybe mm-hmm. there's only two people coming and yeah, and they don't show up for some reason and then we're, you know. Yeah. So, so it, again, if you know you can't, you know, last minute, it's kind of hard if we're not at the office or it's after hours because mm-hmm. uh, sure. there's no direct line to get to us. But again, if there's something, you know, during the day, hey, I can't come tonight. Mm-hmm. I mean, a phone call or an email, that would yeah. just, so, courtesy would be great. Uh, and then, of course, just getting out. We talk about uh, different programs uh, that are available and the whole list of uh, programs and things uh, are online. Do you have uh, something else to uh, mention there? Um, sure. So we've got um, our archery programs taking place throughout okay. the summer. And so if you've ever taken one of our instructional courses, and we've been doing archery now for, oh my gosh, seven, eight years. I, I'd have mm-hmm. to look to see how long we've been doing it. So as long as you've taken one over those years, um, we do open shoots. So this is just where we give you a brief refresher of, of the whistle commands and, and the shooting practice. And mm-hmm. then you just get to shoot. So if it's something you enjoyed when you took the instructional course, um, we have an open shoot coming up on Monday, July 18th. Um, this is going to take place um, in the morning. So we've got one at 10 o'clock in the morning. Again, it's $10 a person, and you just need okay. to, again, take in that. And then if you haven't, we have instructional courses throughout the summer. And we break those down by youth, which is usually 9 to 13, teens, which is 14 to 17, and then adults, 18 okay. and up. And so we've got a variety of those still throughout the summer. We've had some here in June, but we've got more um, – in the summer, and then okay. we'll have a few of them in the fall. Okay. So we do it when it's usually nicer weather out. And then, like we said, uh, 
it's always a great part time. Just get out into the parks. I mean, yes, you know, I you mean, don't have to. It doesn't have to be a program to go to the park. No, dust till dawn. And so, I mean, like, like this morning, you know, take a cup of coffee, go walk around. Yeah, you know, the mosquitoes when I'm out haven't been nope. horrible. So, I mean, it That's is. That's the one thing about not having rain. Yes, is that is not having. Yeah. you know, you know, take your dog for a walk. Um. Just, just yeah. yeah, fresh air, enjoy nature. And, of course, this yeah. uh, is the time of year for uh, family gatherings, reunions, that kind of thing. Yeah. Still uh, opportunities to sign up for uh, shelter rentals and... Availability, again, that's another thing. We all, of course, I plug programs because that's my department. That's what I do. But, yes, all the facility information is also on the website. Yeah. You can click on that avenue and get into availability. Mm-hmm. So, you can, t- you know, we rent a year-to-date. So... I'm not sure what's out there. I, I, It's probably going to be slim pickings to find something at Riverbend for the rest of the summer on a weekend. Mm-hmm. But not to say that there's not something out there. Yeah. You could always call the office and, and talk with us, but you can get on at night to register and then also, you know, reserve something, but then also look for availability. And then, yes, think about next year. Yeah. Those people coming up with seniors this fall, get those things booked now for May of next year. Party. Yeah. Yep. All right, very good. Uh, again, Michelle Rumschlag of the Hancock Park District uh, with us this morning talking about things going on in the month of July. All of that stuff is on the website, of course, which we have linked up at goodmornings.net. Michelle, thanks very much. Thanks for having me. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks again to all of our guests for joining us on the program. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. That is goodmornings.net. You can also connect with us on social media, sign up for our daily email newsletter and more, goodmornings.net. Until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.